This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. And thank you as well to folks who have written me saying they're enjoying the new shows I've been featuring lately. Tonight we have another story from Nightbeat, where Frank Lovejoy stars as Randy Stone, nighttime reporter for the Chicago Star. Now, Lovejoy was a successful radio actor and was heard in the 1930s crime drama Gangbusters. He was also a narrator during the first season of the show This Is Your FBI. In films of the 40s and 50s, Lovejoy mostly played supporting roles, appearing in movies such as Goodbye, My Fancy in 1951 with Joan Crawford and The Hitchhiker, 1953, directed by Ida Lupino. Lovejoy was effective playing the movies Every Man in Extraordinary Situations. He was in several war movies, notably Stanley Kramer's Home of the Brave, 1949, and Breakthrough in 1950. And in 1951, he had the title role in I Was a Communist for the FBI. Now, here he is in the episode first aired November 26th of Night Beat. It's entitled Mr. and Mrs. Carruthers. NBC presents transcribed Frank Lovejoy in Night Hi, this is Randy Stone. I cover the night beat for the Chicago Star. Tonight's story began more than a year ago, around 7 a.m. of a cold November. The city room was a wilderness of empty desks. There was a chill in the air. The radiators were knocking, but the heat wasn't coming in. Dawn dribbled down the main aisle like dirty dishwater. My desk lamp shone dismally on a cup of stale coffee and a chocolate donut. One bite missing. I was trying to finish my column and go home, but it was just one of those days. The words wouldn't come. I just sat there looking at the typewriter keys, hating them one and all from A through shift lock to ditto marks. And the drunk smiled sadly. Oh, nuts. That must be him, all right, Jenny. I suppose so. I pictured a better-looking man. I looked up. The old guy was as twisted and gnarled as a, an old shillelagh. If you can picture a shillelagh in a seedy mail-order suit. The old gal was dressed in shapeless black crepe. Looked like something left over from a rather unsuccessful funeral. Um, yeah. You go right on with your chores. Mr. Crothers and I'll just stand around and gawk. <laughs> yeah, you do that. 
Looks a lot easier than seeding an acre of barley, huh, Mr. Brothers? Yeah, but watch them fingers go. Like a bunch of beavers. Oh, beavers. <laughs> uh, now, look. You are Randy Stone, who covers the night beat? Mm-hmm. And you two, I presume, are the Livingstons. The Carruthers. Jenny and S.B. Carruthers of Burroughs Junction, Illinois. Well, I'm pleased to meet you. You know, I bet you we've got every last column you ever wrote, Mr. Stone. Pasted in our Chicago scrapbook. Mm-hmm. Yeah, along with Earl Cupsonet's column. And the writings of that dear Mr. O'Brien before that sweet soul passed on. All you people who write about Chicago. Ah, and now we're really here ourselves. Oh, it's like a dream come true. Fifty-five years we waited. Well, it doesn't seem that long, does it? Well, it's been fine seeing you. Now, if you'll excuse me. Yes, sir. Jen and I met at the Columbian Exposition back in 1895. That's why we have such a warm spot in our heart for Chicago. She worked in a cigar factory up in East Chicago. That's what attracted me. <laughs> Had nicotine on her fingers. Figured she must be one of them bad girls you're always hearing about and never lucky enough to meet. Now, Mr. Crothers, you stop that. Oh, that fair was quite an extravaganza. Uh, of course, you heard about uh, Little Egypt, Mr. Stone. Oh, sure. Oh, no, you stop that this minute, Mr. Crothers. Oh, she had it, Mr. Stone. That little lady had it. <laughs> Will you listen to this dried-up old man? If that just doesn't... Uh, uh look. Look, I'm sorry, but I, I've got to finish my work. Is there something you wanted? No. Well, uh, not exactly, that is. Not exactly. Uh-huh. Uh, we come off the train at 5.07 this morning and walked around a piece. All seems too strange, though. You know, the only place still standing is the hotel where Jen and I spent our honeymoon. But what a ruin that is today. And you registered there? No, no. Uh, uh, that's it. That's what we want to talk to you about. Uh, where's your luggage? Didn't bring any with us. Oh, I see. I know Jenny's pretty hungry and tired. Now, you're the one's hungry and tired. Well, but I just couldn't go into any place and, well... I... Oh, yeah, sure, I, I understand. Only the flattery about the column and the just folks talk, that, that wasn't necessary. Uh, here. Uh, this five-spot help? Stand up. Hmm? Stand up or I'll smash you right where you are. V.J. Carruthers, you stop that. You tell him to stand up. All the blood's rushing to your head and that vein is standing out. Now you turn right around and start walking for those stairs. What is this? Mr. Carruthers, you hear me? I just want him to... Start walking. Oh. I'll be right with you. We didn't come here to beg, Mr. Stone. You coming, Jen? Be right with you, Mr. Joe Lewis. Well, it's not begging if you're hungry. We came here to see you... Well, because even if you never knew us, we've been reading about you for so long, we felt like you were an old friend. We just came by Come to... Come on, Jim. Yes. All right. Now, now, wait a minute. Oh, now, look. Stop. Will you stop? You just leave us alone. Now, Mr. Carruthers. Uh... Look, I, I'm tired and I'm irritable. I'm having trouble with my story. Uh, Jen and me, we never took a dime. We didn't work hard for it. I'm sorry. Mr. Carruthers' pride. It's the talk of the whole county. Yeah, I can see it would be. Only when you mention not eating and, and having no luggage... Hey, hey, look in this purse of mine. No, stop that. I want him to look into it. Does this look like we need your five dollars? 
2,000 in traveler's checks, is all. Now, Mr. Carruthers, I don't like that, not one tiny bit. And I want to show him. That's just plain boasting. I just won't stand for it. But, Jen, You just better also tell him that it's the last red cent we have in the whole world, plus all the money from next year's crop advanced by the bank, plus $500 from a second mortgage on the property. Still don't need his $5. I told you, I'm sorry. Well, all right, then. Now, what are you going to do with all that money? We're going to make a dream come true. A dream? We only had about $12 between us when we got married. Less than five, you boaster. Well, whatever it be. Let me tell him, will you? Well, just keep the facts straight. Ever since then, we always dreamed of coming back in style. If it couldn't be with the red carpet and all the trimmings. You just listen to that man. Now, it's true, and you know it. How many hours we spent just talking about what we do. Well. Only every time we got a few dollars ahead, well, something happened. Yes, if it wasn't the flood, it was the drought. And if it wasn't a dust storm. It was another baby on the way. Mr. Carruthers. Well, now we decided we're going to make that dream come true no matter what. Only we're a couple of old hayseeds and we need help. You know, right clothes, right hotel, right restaurants. And, uh, and and you want my advice? We did until you got so generous with $5. We still do, Mr. Stone. Well, I'd be very happy to help you. Well, thank you. Uh, Jen and me, we just got to have the best time of our whole lives. His voice had suddenly changed, and somehow the city room seemed to have grown much colder. I turned quickly to look at him. In the dim light, I saw something in those faded eyes that sent a trembling running through me. And then I looked again, and whatever I'd seen in the eyes wasn't there anymore. I decided that I was just tired, imagining things, and I let it go at that. They were a couple of sweet old characters, and I was going to do right by them. I poured enough coffee down my throat to push the cobwebs away, and then we started out on the town. First stop, of course, was an exclusive dress shop for stylish matrons on Michigan Boulevard. That's where all the lovely mannequins come equipped with soft gray wigs and the indirect lighting and the specially designed mirrors were more than kind. Well, what do you think of this dress, Mr. Carruthers? Same as I thought of the others. Makes you look too old. Oh! Haven't they got something that shows a little of the foreleg? Foreleg is what horses have. Yeah, on a woman, the uh, word is calf. Well, whatever it is, I want to see it. <laughs> so you just tell a young lady to bring out something else. Well, break it to me gently. How do I look? Real nice, Mr. Crothers. <laughs> I feel like a fish. Uh, let me peek in this mirror. He always does look so fine in blue, Mr. Stone. He just does wonders for his eyes. Yeah. Well, it's a mighty fine hotel, and I'm glad that Mr. Crothers is registering. But... Yeah, I know how you feel. $38 a day, it makes me a little weak in the knees. No, it's not that. I want us to have the very best of everything. It's not that at all. It's... It's just... Well? Yeah? Well, we're country people, Mr. Stone. I don't know how to say it. Well, say what? 
I've been married to Mr. Crothers for 53 years. And in all that time, we've never slept apart. And I don't intend that we should start now. What? I've heard about these big city hotels with their twin beds. <laughs> you got nothing to worry about, honey. Not in the bridal suite. Well, after that, I gave Mr. Carruthers my telephone number should he need me, and then I staggered home for a couple hours of sleep. I was dead tired, but I wouldn't have traded this day for anything in the world. But then, just as I was about to doze off, all the warmth suddenly left me again, and again I heard what should have been just a nice bit of dialogue from a sweet old guy. Jen and me, we just got to have the best time of our whole lives. And for a moment, all the sleep was gone. I sat up, and when I tried to light a cigarette, my fingers trembled. And I didn't know why. During the next weeks, I got frequent calls from the Carruthers. They were having the time of their lives. They insisted I have at least one dinner with them, uh, their treat. We ate at the pump room where the prices can give you indigestion, but never, never the food. And then I could see that I wasn't the only one who'd fallen under the spell of Mr. and Mrs. Carruthers of Burroughs Junction, Illinois. The waiters, the busboys, the maitre d', the people at the other tables, there was love at first sight. And the evening ended in the great schmaltzy tradition with Mr. and Mrs. Carruthers dancing by themselves on the small floor. And when the dance was over, everybody was clapping and touching their napkins to their eyes. Then the farmer and his wife came back to the table, hand in hand. Oh, <laughs> oh my head. Where's the man out? <laughs> it's hot in here. You better sit down before you fall over, Mr. Carruthers. Oh, kid, I could dent you into the floor. Kid? He's getting citified fast, huh, Mr. Stone? Yes, he sure is, kid. He sure, could dent you into the floor every night of the week and <laughs> twice on the 4th of July. <laughs> well, there's not going to be any more dancing. This is our last night. Oh? Money's all gone. Oh, but what a time we've had. <laughs> Got a lot more respect for money if it can bring us a month like this, eh, Jim? Oh, isn't it the truth? <laughs> we ought to drink a final toast, then. Ah, just about enough left. All right. You've got the floor, Mr. Carruthers. Oh, all right. Well, I can't think of anything real clever. Uh, let me see. Oh, I got a toast I learned at a stag when I was a growing boy. Now, Mr. Carruthers. I wasn't going to use it, Jim. No, no, no. Oh, here's my toast. For every moment of our life together, I thank you, my dear. I went on about my work, checked in with the office at midnight as usual, and the girl at the switchboard had a message for me. Call Central Police Station and ask for Captain Barton. I put in the call thinking, well, laddie, back to the old routine. Then the captain came on the phone. Stone, we got a torn jacket down here with your name and telephone number scribbled on a slip of paper in one of the pockets. Well, well all my jackets are accounted for, Captain. I'm wearing it. No, this one belonged to an old fella around 70. Hmm? Dark blue, good material. Well, that, uh, 
That sounds like it belongs to Mr. Carruthers. How do you spell that name? Where can I get a hold of him right away? Wait a minute, wait a minute, not so fast. What's up? Letty is up. Your Mr. Carruthers is on his way to commit murder. NBC is bringing you Night Beat, starring Frank Lovejoy as Randy Stone. Before we begin Act Two of tonight's exciting adventure with Randy Stone, we'd like to pause and salute Station WKBH in La Crosse, Wisconsin. Today, Station WKBH celebrates the completion of 25 years of broadcasting to the residents of Wisconsin, Iowa, and Minnesota. From the entire staff of Night Beat, Sincere congratulations to you, WKBH, on your silver anniversary. And now back to Nightbeat and Randy Stone. Captain Barton sat on the edge of his desk while I examined the jacket. And across from him was a mournful-looking man with a fresh bandage plastered to his forehead. Barton stood up. Well? Yes, it's his. Uh... What's it all about? How'd he get torn? How did he get torn, he asks. Suppose you tell him, Mr. Hartman. What's to tell? He's strong for an old man like that. Well, he did farm work all his life. I could make a joke and say he sure plowed into me. Big joke. Mr. Hartman operates a pawn shop on Milwaukee Avenue. Well, what was he doing in your pawn shop? He was attracted by a revolver display I had in the window. Revolver display? Uh, particularly one Colt 32, price $35. Worth every penny. He tried to steal the gun? I didn't say that. He wanted to buy it. Okay. But he didn't have a license. So I told him to go down to the police department and get a license tomorrow. He said he didn't have the time. It had to be now. It had to be now? I said I was sorry with me. It's strictly legitimate. Then the roof fell in. An old man like that. That sure doesn't sound like the fellow I knew. Took the gun and started running for the door. Well, I grabbed him by the sleeve of his jacket here, and then whammo, he smacks the gun into my puss. Well, I hang on to the coat, it splits right down the middle, and he keeps running. That isn't the only item on your and Mr. Carruthers tonight, Stone. Uh, what do you mean? This statement here didn't add up until Mr. Hartman came in. You listen to this. A telephone report from the Ajax Drugstore, 1947 Wabash Avenue. Ernest J. Gorman, manager. The statement follows. At about 8.40 p.m. tonight, Gorman waited on an elderly man dressed in a dark blue suit. The man told Gorman he wished to purchase some poison. Poison? The man claimed he wanted poison to destroy rats, but Gorman's suspicion were aroused by the man's insistence on knowing the reaction of such poisons on the human body. The old guy's a real doozy. The man offered Gorman a hundred dollars. That's what he offered me, only I turned him down cold. I've been in business since 1900. Yeah. Uh, go on, Captain. A hundred dollars for a few capsules of poison. When Gorman refused, the man exclaimed, I won't let her suffer. I'll find some way. And disappeared before Gorman could stop him. Brother. So he doesn't need the poison. He has my $35 gun. Hey, where are you going? Uh, the phone. Operator, get me the Ambassador East Hotel... Fast, please. I don't know the number. It's an emergency. Is that where they're staying? Yes, you better get over there quick. Oh, I'll get on this intercom. Uh, Harry, have a car out in front right away. Be right oh, hello. Uh, I want to speak to Mr. Carruthers, room 1217. Yes, hurry, please. What's that? When? I see. Okay. Thank you. you can cancel that car, Captain. Huh? 
Mr. and Mrs. Carruthers checked out of the hotel three hours ago. Left no forwarding address. When I left the police station a little after 2 a.m., I really felt Jim Dandy. I tried to get back to work, but that was a lost cause. Trying to kill his wife, it, it didn't make sense. It just didn't make sense. I recall the first time I'd seen them, the old guy shooting off his mouth about the Colombian Exposition of 1895, Little Egypt, and how changed everything was. And then I stopped dead in my tracks, that hotel that they'd stayed in back in 1895. I started running for the nearest phone booth. I woke up half a dozen people all over Chicago, local historians, hotel keepers. Finally, a sleepy-voiced fellow in charge of the Hotel Association of America gave me an answer. Must be the Gulliver House. Gulliver House. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what you must mean. Built for the exposition. Uh, where is it? Will you, will you please hurry? It's urgent. Yeah, the 93rd Street. Yeah, it was considered very elegant when it was built. But now it's practically a flop house. No, there wasn't much left of the Gulliver House early grandeur. The marble floors were cracked and stained. The oversized chandeliers were filled with cobwebs and burned out bulbs that nobody bothered to replace. A flock of beat-up leather chairs, an open elevator in the corner like a birdcage waiting for a lost canary. Nobody around but a bearded guy snoozing on a couch. I went to the desk. The night clerk was in an alcove making a pot of coffee on a little gas plate. I banged the bell. I'll be right with you. Uh, an old couple named Carruthers check in here tonight. Carruthers? Uh-huh. Oh, yes, a couple of hours ago. Uh, room 412. Just let me finish measuring out this coffee now. Well, take your time. I got all night. Hey, hey, where are you going? No, you wait till I call him. Don't you take that elevator. The elevator was another relic of the Columbian Exposition. And for the sake of the older generation, I only hope Little Egypt had just half the vibrations. It seemed to move in all directions except up. Come on, come on. What was I going to find in room 412? I didn't even want to think about it. By then, I'd reached the fourth floor. And through the iron grill work, I saw Mr. Carruthers standing in a faded bathrobe and holding a Colt revolver that would have looked much better in the hock shop window. Well, open the door and come on out. What have you done to Jenny? Clerk called up and told me you were on your way. That open door down the hall, that's your room? Stay right where you are, Mr. Stone. That must be the manager ringing for the elevator. What have you done to your wife? Keep your voice down, folks sleeping. Tell me. My nephew, Martin, that's my sister's boy, he hasn't got out of medical school last June. Well, you know how it is. We wanted to give him a start. Figured it was time for a physical examination anyhow. Uh-huh. I guess... Uh, I ain't been to a doctor since maybe 1927 when I tore a ligament in my back. And Jenny, well, almost as long. Anyhow, poor Martin, after he examined us in July, he called me into his office and said he was sorry that he ever become a doctor. Nice boy. He sure hated to tell me that Jenny had to die. 
Die? One of them incurable things. Too late to do anything about it. No pain yet. Another couple of months for that. And then maybe two more months at the most. Oh, I wish he'd stop that. That's when you decided on the trip to Chicago? At least we did have that, huh? Forget everything but how happy we were. Yeah. But in the back of my mind, I I decided that when the trip was over, well, I, I hadn't been able to do very much for Jenny. Maybe I could fix it so she, she wouldn't have to suffer. And so you got the gun, huh? Yeah, that's right. Where are you going? Your room. I'm warning you, don't. Don't. You'll wake her up. What? Here's the gun. Take it. It hasn't been fired. Oh, I, I couldn't even do that for her. I sat there and I, I tried, but I, I couldn't even do that. I see. I can't help it. I, I'm selfish, I guess. I want every minute that I can have with her. I don't care how or why or anything. I... You better take that elevator down before he has a conniption. Yeah, I guess I'd better. Uh, Mr. Carruthers. Yes? Nothing. Give Jen my love. Goodbye. More than a year passed. I didn't forget the Carruthers, but I don't know. Life keeps piling up in front of you, and my memory of them kept being pushed farther and farther into the darkness. But early this evening, all the lights went on again. Fast. The paper sent me up to the Capitol at Springfield to cover a political story. I was driving back to Chicago the same day. Around 5 p.m., I saw that I was getting low on gas, and I'd better fill up at the next town. And then I was passing the highway sign of the next town. Elevation, nil, population, even more so. But I forgot all about that when I saw the name of the place. Burroughs Junction. I stopped at the gas station only long enough to look through the thin phone book. And ten minutes later, I was parked in front of a rusty RFD mailbox with the name Carruthers stenciled on the side. The frame house was badly in need of paint. The pickup truck stood in the yard, balanced on blocks, its rear wheel missing. The steps were broken, an empty rocking chair groaned back and forth in the light wind as I crossed the warped porch. I knocked on the door, and after a while, a hall light went on, and someone was coming for the front door. What could I say to him? What could I tell him? And then the door was open. Mr. Stone. Oh, how nice to see you again. Mrs. Carruthers. Come in. Come on in. Oh, sure. Sure. Well, it's not much like the bridal suite at the Ambassador East now, is it, Mr. Stone? Let me look at you. Oh, you look fine. Yeah. Feel all right for an old lady? Oh, man, do I feel relieved. I, I thought that... Huh? Well, I... Well... A young doctor, I, I guess he's entitled to one mistake, especially this kind, huh? Oh, I see. Mr. Carruthers told you. Yeah. 
Well, my nephew and I, we played a trick on the mister. Huh? I guess it's hard for you to understand about taking that trip to Chicago. It just grew out of all proportions. I mean, it became, I guess the word is obsession. Is that the word? Yeah. Well, as time went on and all our plans for the trip fell through again and again. Well, in Mr. Crothers' mind, not taking the trip became like a sign of his defeat. Just listen to me talking like one of those psychiatrists or whatever they call them. you're, You're talking fine. But for him, it was the one thing that made our life together incomplete. Like he'd failed me. Of course, that sure wasn't so. I had the most wonderful life with him that any woman... But men think different than women about what's important and what's not. Yeah. And if he'd known the real truth, he'd never have taken that trip. All he'd think about was providing for me. He was that way. He sure was. He passed on six months ago. Six months this October. What? Uh, My nephew and I, that was the trick, Mr. Stone. You see, it was Mr. Carruthers who had the sickness. A fellow once wrote, When two people really love each other, there can never be a happy ending. Well, maybe, but but I don't know. I sort of think if he could have seen the look of love in Mrs. Carruthers' eyes as she talked about Mr., and if he could have heard the pride in her voice, maybe he'd have changed his line just a bit. Maybe to make it read, When two people really love each other, there can never be an ending. Copy, boy. Night Beat, starring Frank Lovejoy, is produced and directed by Warren Lewis. Tonight's transcribed story was written by Larry Marcus with music by Robert Armbruster. The part of Mrs. Carruthers was played by Jeanette Nolan. Ralph Moody was Mrs. Mr. Carruthers. Others featured were Ben Wright and Lou Krugman. Don Rickles speaking. Frank Lovejoy can currently be seen starring in Warner Brothers' Force of Arms. Listen next week at this time and every week as Randy Stone searches through the city for the strange stories waiting for him in the darkness. Stay tuned for Inner Sanctum next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for Richard Widmark, starring in Inner Sanctum on Theater of the Mind. Good evening, friends of the Inner Sanctum. This is your host, inviting you through the squeaking door 
for another half hour of gruesome gaiety. <laughs> Friends, have you heard of a magician who sawed his wife in two parts because she was a split personality? Or the wife who slit her husband's throat and asked the court for clemency on the grounds that she was a widow? Mm-hmm. Well, that's the kind of personalities we feature on this program. So listen closely and be sure not miss one drop of blood. <laughs> Tonight's inner sanctum mystery, Death Bound, is an original radio drama written by Milton Lewis and stars Richard Widmark in the role of Rocky and is presented by the Emerson Drug Company of Baltimore, Maryland. All right, friends. Curdle up to the fire, turn the lights low, test out your scream, and we'll let the gore flow. You see, we're going in for poetry tonight, but don't worry. Nobody's going to be murdered in free verse. Night. And in a small, scrubby little park buried among the skyscrapers of a large city, a young man sits on a bench, sullenly sucking a cigarette. He's lost in thought and hardly notices it when someone sits down quietly next to him. Excuse me. Hmm? Have you got a match? Thanks. Keaton. You're worried. Who asked you? You're worried about money. Well, who ain't? And it's none of your business, see? Sure. Okay, so shut up. You can't pay for that car. Or the rent. Yeah. Well, how'd you know? You've got a pretty wife. Yeah. She likes fine clothes. You can't pay for them. How do you know so much about me? Doesn't make any difference, Rocky. My name. Who told you about me? Nobody. Cut it out. Getting chilly tonight, isn't it, Rocky? Who are you? Don't try to understand it. Why not? Hey, what are you up to? Nothing. How do you know my name? What do you want with me? Don't be foolish, Rock. Quit stalling or I'll let you have it on a kiss. Let go of it. Start talking. Go on. You're pretty tough. Aren't you, Rock? I'm tough and I'm heppin'. I want to know your angle. Start spilling. What are you afraid of, Rocky? You're smart. You tell me. Maybe I will sometime. You see... I know what's going to happen. About what? About you. What are you talking about? The future. You know what's going to happen to me? Yes. Right to the end of your life. Oh, you nuts. You can stop worrying about money. Thanks. It's nice of you to say so. Before tonight's over, you'll have $10,000 in cash. You're loony. Waiting for you at home. Yeah, I bet you think that'll send me running home, huh? Uh-huh. You're afraid your wife will get that money. Yeah. Yeah, you got something there. Babe's too darn good looking to trust. Yeah. Ah, you're kidding me. You think so? Nobody can see into the future. No one... But me. Ah, you're too bad even to talk to. I'm going. Good night, Rocky. Good night. 
Hello, Slim. This is Babe. Hi, kid. That's my pal, Rocky. I don't know and I don't care. You kidding? No. Where is he? He ain't home yet. Look, Slim. Yep. You, uh, meant what you told me last time? Yeah, sure. Okay, I'm coming over. Uh, you sure you know what you're doing, babe? Yeah. I'm fed up with Rocky. I'm fed up with this dump. I'm through. Him and his big talk, well, he can listen to himself now and see how he likes it. Okay, babe. I'll be waiting. Uh, I gotta hang up now. I think he's coming in. Goodbye, Slim. Hi. Hi, Rocky. Was anybody to see me? No. Who'd you expect? Nobody. Anyone call? No. Any packages come? Anything like that? No. What are you all dressed up for? I'm going to my mother. Why? Well, she's sick. You look like he was going to a ball. What do you need the suitcase for? I told you, my mother's dying, maybe. I gotta stay with her, maybe. Always you're asking a million questions like you didn't trust me to walk around the corner. If you think you're walking out on me, I'll... What would I want to walk out on you for? You treat me like the Queen of Sheba. You give me a different mink coat to wear every day in the week. Can't even lift my hands because my fingers are so heavy with diamonds. Shut up! It's all you can do, stop me. After the wife I've been to a no-good skunk like you. Me, that could have had any guy. I could have been rich. We're gonna be. I'm gonna get 10,000 bucks. You? 10,000 bucks? Sure. (laughs) You haven't got a dime a week. Where you gonna get it? I don't know. You don't know? But a guy in a park told me, a queer guy. (laughs) He says he can see into the future. He told me. He told you? Yeah. You crazy dumb heel. You're going off. What are you looking at? That package. What package? This one right here. Huh? You said nothing came for me. I didn't know about that. No. Well, the janitor must have brought it while I was out. He did? Yeah, he does it lots of times. It's got my name on it. Look. Who said it? It don't say. Why don't you open it? I don't know. You're scared. What are you scared about? I ain't. Well, what are you handshaking for? All right, I'll open it. Hey, there's a wallet here. Look. It ain't fake? No, it's a real thing. Hundreds. Look, ten of them. Oh, look at them. Each is a grand. Each worth ten yards. I've never seen a grand bill before. A piece of paper worth a grand. Keep your hands off it. I never touched no grand before. Hey, uh, you was going to your mother's. Yeah, but I changed my mind. Did you? She can die without you? Oh, Rocky. There ain't no way to talk to me. Me who loves you has gone through so much with you. Yeah, forget it. 
I've been so broke, I must have been a little nuts. <laughs> but I ain't nuts now. I got ten grand. Hello. Rocky? Who's this? The man from the park. Was I right? Right. I can't believe it. I got... Did you get the $10,000? No. You're lying. Do you want to hear more about your future, Rocky? Yeah. Listen carefully. You're going to die tonight. Die? Die. Good night, Rocky. What's the matter? Who was it? The guy who said I was going to get the money. I, I wasn't going to tell him I got it. Everybody's got their angle. He'd rob me or something, sure. Look at me. Why? How do I look? White. Like you've seen something. Do I look like I was going to die? Do I? Well, I'm coming. No, 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 Rocky, no. Who's that? I don't know. Open it. Why don't you? Because maybe he meant I was going to get killed. Go on, you open it. Who is it? There's no one, just a package. Here. It's it's for you. It's just like the other one. Yeah. Wait, 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 wait a second, Dave. Don't open it. Oh, maybe it's some more dough. <laughs> what? Okay. Look, on the floor. A hand. Oh. Withered like. Who sent it? What's going on here? I don't know. I I, 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 I don't get it. This is something I can't figure out so easy. What's the matter? The middle finger. The tip's gone. I'm going to get the car and I'm going to leave. I'm going with you. Why? Because I got the ten grand. Rocky, how can you say that? Something queer is going on here tonight. You need me. Okay, let me get my guns first. Rocky, why are you doing that? Why are you digging up that grave? You better not ask so many questions. Look, if you tell me, I, I could help you more. You close up like a clam. You drive out here to the cemetery. You start digging. You don't shut up. Hey, I think I found it. What? I'll let you know in a minute. As soon as I can open this coffin. Rocky! Turn that flashlight down here. Okay. You want to know why I come here? Take a look in there. You see his right hand? It ain't there. listening to Inner Sanctum, brought to you by Bromo Seltzer. The willies are waiting for you. We've got some nice spine tingles and flesh crawls for you and you. And of course, you. Well, let's go on with the second half of tonight's grisly gavotte. <laughs> <laughs> 
Where were we? Oh, yeah. Rocky had just dug up a body in the graveyard. And he's just told his wife that the corpse had no hand attached to his right arm. Rocky. You mean that thing that was in the package? Yeah. It was his hand. Are you sure? Sure. The tip of the middle finger was cut off. Stephen Dane. What are you doing? Reading that name on the tombstone. Rocky, who's Stephen Dane? Why do you want to know? Because maybe I can help you. Nobody can help me. You mustn't say that. Can't you see? This ain't something you can fight, Dave. First, the guy tells me I'll get ten grand. I get the ten grand. Then he tells me I'm going to die, and that hand comes. I tell you, it's quick. And there's nothing I can do about it except wait to die tonight. Only you tell me. Okay, I'll tell you. That guy, Stephen Dane. We killed him. We? Me and Slim. Why? Money. Anybody know? Nobody but you. The cops. They picked us up, but they didn't have nothing on us. I get it. I'm going to die tonight, babe. No, you're not. This is something too big for me. I'm afraid. I'm... <gasps> no. Where? Over there. Over there, it's light. It's a queer kind of a light. Yeah, I see it. It's coming here. Yeah, it's coming for me. Rocky, it's closer. You ain't going to get me. Nobody's going to get me. I don't care what you are. You ain't going to kill me. You hear me? I'll let your head. It's gone now. Yeah. Yeah, Pete. Yeah, maybe I killed it, huh? Whatever it is, maybe I killed it, huh? What do you think, Dave, huh? What do you think? The phone's ringing. Yeah, I'll take it. No, you better get away from it. Hello. Hello, Rocky. You. Yes. The man in the park. What do you want now? I just called to find out if he was still alive. I'm doing fine. See, I'm doing great. Nothing's gonna happen to me. Sure, Rocky. I'll call again. Who are you, anyway? Don't try to understand things that are too much for you, Rocky. You leave me alone, see? If you call me again, I'll go out and I'll get you. I'll find you somewhere and I'll pump you full of lead. I ain't scared of you or nothing or nobody alive or dead. I'll kill you. I swear I will. Goodbye, Rocky. <sighs> that... That was him again. Yeah. And you're letting yourself go to pieces. Don't you worry about me. I'm okay. Babe. Yeah. Why didn't we find nothing? Where? In the cemetery where the light was. I swear I shot something, but there was nothing. Why did you come back here? Where can we go? With ten grand? There's a lot of places. No, you can't run away, not from something like this. I figured I'd come back, see? I'd get ready for it. When it came, I'd be all ready to fight it. That's my angle. What are you going to fight? I... I don't know, babe. I don't know. I don't know. Say it, babe. Tell me again. I'm not gonna die. Tell me again and again and again. Tell me all night I'm not gonna die. Tell me. Say it. No. No. But you said it in the cemetery. 
Yeah. You believe I'm going to get it too, huh? Yeah. Why'd you change your mind? That thing on the floor. Uh, the hand. Yeah. Get rid of it. No. I'll give you five grand. No, I won't Look touch it. it. Look at it like it wanted to grab me. Like it wanted... Wait a minute. Maybe that's it. What? That's what I'm waiting for. Don't you get it, babe? Here I am waiting for something that's going to kill me. Don't you get it? This is it. How can it kill you? How can the other things happen? But they did. I'm going to get it out of here. No, don't touch I it. I bet if I touch it, I won't be scared anymore. If I get rid of it, that'll break the curse. I'm going to get no. it. No. You see, I got it. It can't hurt me. I ain't scared. <laughs> it's the hand of the man I killed, and I ain't... No! It's trying to grab me. It's going to get me. Rocky. It's starting to move, babe. It's starting to go Look, you don't know what you're saying. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. Maybe I'm going out of my head. Don't leave me, babe. No, no, I won't. tackle all this alone. Don't leave me. Okay, okay. Maybe I'm so scared because we killed him. Don't leave me, babe. No, I I'm won't. I'm sick and I'm scared and I'm going to die. Don't leave me, huh? When we killed him, I did it only because he was a rich kid and I wanted Doe to set you up right. Don't okay, leave okay. me, babe. Please. Please don't leave Rocky, me. Rocky, I ain't going. I ain't going. Listen. You better get hold of yourself. Go on in there, Rocky. Lie down. Just lie quiet. Go on. Yeah. Yeah, I lie, lie, lie down. That ain't a bad idea. Lie down. Yeah. Maybe I can figure it all out. Seven, three, four, five. Hello? Slim. This is babe. Uh, I'm still waiting. Listen, Slim. Something's come up. Rocky's got ten grand in cash. Uh, that's why you didn't come, huh? No, look, you don't understand. He's blowing his top. He's gone crazy. So what? So you better get over here. Why? I want that ten grand. I want you to get it. Get it yourself. No. You'll do it. What makes you think so, babe? Because I know all about Stephen Dane. What? Rocky told me. I'm coming over. And bring your gun. I want to get rid of Rocky. I'll bring it. Goodbye. Bye. So that's <gasps> the angle. Rocky! I heard you, babe. You did? Every word. Put the gun away, Rocky. No. You're uh, making a mistake. I don't think Look, so. Look, I, I, I had an angle. I, I was doing it to help you. Sure, babe, sure. Let me explain why I called you Slim. You explain fine. I heard Rocky! You. Don't, don't. You're behind don't the do whole it. thing. I don't know how you worked it, babe, but you were after that Rocky. ten grand. Did Slim help you? Rocky! You're no good. You never was any Rocky, good.
when the night's over. Yeah? Look, why do you always keep calling up? Why don't you come up yourself? Maybe I will, Rocky. To see you die. Goodbye. What? Rocky, don't reach, Slim. I got you covered. <laughs> That's a fine way to greet an old pal. Hell. Where's babe? There. Oh. Why'd you do it? It shouldn't be so tough to figure out. I ain't sorry. No? Ah, she was cheating on you. She wanted to get you ten grand. You ought to know. Well, you got ten grand. Yeah, keep them up, Slim. You must be nuts. I wouldn't do nothing to you. Maybe. Rocky, after what we've been through together... But you remember that Dane business? I didn't rat on you then. Why should I rat on you now? Because I got ten grand because somebody's going to kill me. Maybe it's you. What are you talking about? I ain't taking any chances, Slim. You got reason to kill me. He said it had happened. I ain't going to let it happen. I ain't going to die. She was right. Your bets, your race. Shut up. No. Don't reach. I ain't taking any chances. Wait. Oh, come on. I told you not to reach. Oh, why didn't you listen? Rocky. You were the one he meant, all right. You got me. The score's even, Slim. You got me. You hear? It's all coming true. You hear me, Slim? It was because of that kid, Stephen Dane. The one we killed, that's why it happened. I know it. Slim. Slim, I, I can't see it. Oh, I can't see a thing. Oh, I can hardly move. Who's there? Who is it? Who came in? Just me, Rocky. Oh, the man in the park. That's right, Rocky. You're not getting away. The gun's empty. Yes, Rocky. I, I can't see it. It'll be over in a minute, Rocky. I just came to watch you die. Then I'll get my $10,000 back. Your money? Yes. I had it sent here. You. You poor, stupid fool. I stood in the apartment next door. I made a little peephole. I watched your little rat mind collapse. I watched you run to the cemetery. I watched you kill your wife and then him. I knew I'd be right in my plans. Like all criminals, you're cowardly, superstitious, vicious. But mostly stupid. I suppose if you weren't, you wouldn't be a criminal. Who are you? The name is William Dane. The brother of the man you murdered. Oh. The police couldn't get you. I did. No, you didn't. I'm still alive. Oh. Oh. Rocky? Hmm. Goodbye. Rocky. Well, friend, 
The moral for tonight's medley of murders is taken from the uh, undecipherable handwriting of one of the wisest morons who ever made a dope of himself. The famous Egyptian, Baloney, who said, Don't be afraid to go to sleep because so many people get murdered at night. Just remember, you can be murdered in the daytime, too. <laughs> well, it's time to close that squeaking door for another seven-day rest and the next week at the same time when Romo Seltzer brings you another Inner Sanctum Mystery directed by Hyman Brown. Oh, by the way, this month's Inner Sanctum Mystery novel is A Halo for Nobody by Henry Kane. Next week's little horror deals with a gal who planted her uncle in the rose bushes and then was terribly surprised at what came up. It's called The Ghost in the Garden. You'll be sure to listen, won't you? Until next Monday, then. Good night. Pleasant dreams. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's Gunsmoke, followed by Phil Harris and Alice Fay. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell and Paul Stringer for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.